Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander. Bunker de France is here. It's me. And Todd Roberts is in Los Angeles. Howdy, howdy. Gentlemen. Yeah. Hey, hey. Good to be with you. Yes, sir. It's good to be here. It's always good to be heard. And yes. uh, let's see. Today, the 14th of May, a Saturday. What are we Second doing? Second Saturday. Second Saturday. Today's program is all about nuggets. 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 Not not the kind not the kind that you get from uh, Mickey D's. Oh, you mean chicken nuggets? No, no, no chickens here. No, no. no, You know, for for the uninitiated, if you think of a uh, think of an episode of Seinfeld, and that is (laughs) that's the show that you're going to get for today. Bunker doesn't like Seinfeld. He never did like Seinfeld, but you know, never will like Seinfeld. And it was a funny show, but I just we won't hold that against him. Nauseated. That's okay. Um, So basically, anything and everything goes today. Uh, as long as it has uh, something to do with the old West, the new West, or the future West, or anywhere the West. west of West, anything about the West yes. is uh, now, fair. We'll, we'll fair air game. dirty laundry. Uh, oh yeah, you know, folks, if you were able to hear what uh, transpires before we go to air, yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's a show unto itself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe someday we'll do that by accident. I doubt it, but you know. backstory. Yeah, yes, but you have to shield young children's ears and eyes uh, from that from that from the pre-show. Yeah, we should yeah. dedicate a show the backstory. Backstory. Yeah, we get to shield our eyes and ears from the, from the <laughs> get us taken off the air. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start it out, fellas, with uh, okay. something here a little bit. Um, it's not esoteric, but it, it, a thought provoking, I believe. I'd spoken to this uh, a couple of weeks ago about this article I read at the Federalist.com. Now, the Federalist.com for that those... That sounds like a patriotic thing. Yeah, for those of you who may not be aware of what that website is, is uh, uh, it, it, it's all about... Uh, Federal. Uh, it's about freedom. Freedom. Fre- that, that's what it is. Is is, is, is is freedom. And all of their essays deal with freedom. They report news as well. Their, their reportage of news comes from uh, a side that uh, the mainstream media won't cover because they can't. So, Like my Daniel Webster quote. Exactly. Yeah. So essentially what I've got here for you is an essay uh, that I think is really good. And I have contact or I'm trying to contact this author of the piece. Her name is Jenna Stocker and uh, try and get her on the show because I think this is real poignant. Um, The title is America Will Never Die So Long As It Keeps Its Cowboy. And the subheading is that the frontier created the living myth we should not only defend but uphold as our ideal, a high moral bar that few can master. And I should oppose that which is opposite. Yeah. And she starts out by writing in her home, she has a framed reproduction of Henry W. Hansen's 1900 painting, Questionable Companions. Um, Her copy, she says, was originally housed in uh, her maternal grandparents' home, which was a small converted cabin nestled amidst the poplars and pine trees on a small lake in north-central Minnesota. 
And on those rainy days, she writes, at the lake when her brothers and her were confined to the house, instead of running half-naked through the woods or swimming as far offshore as they dared, she remembers looking at that picture and imagining the conversation between the cavalryman and the Indian, what kind of conversation they were having, walking through the faint desert trail. Now, the picture is is that of a cavalry officer and an Indian, and both on horses, and uh, no one seems to be under arrest or anything. It's just they're together. And so she wonders, what had they seen? Where were they going? What adventures were on the horizon? She fell in love with that picture, and with it, the western frontier in what Theodore Roosevelt called cowboy land. And she has written previously about the American cowboy. T.R. T.R., Theodore Roosevelt. God bless Theodore Roosevelt. Indeed. And, and so she's written uh, previously about the American cowboy. And, and she, she, everything that has been happening in the world regarding events and domestic infighting has brought her back to this picture and asks the question, is embracing the America of the frontier the defiant answer to what so many insist is our nation's inevitable decline into irrelevancy. Yeah, yeah. I don't think so. You know, that's, that, that is so weird because it reminds me so much of that Daniel Webster quote and then the week before that, the Charlie Russell quote. And uh, do you remember what those quotes were? Not offhand. Okay. Not, but not, they, they basically dealt same. with the American spirit and uh, not with... Uh, country and... yeah. All, all those things that uh, the well, other the side. Russell, that I, I can kind of paraphrase that, and that is that uh, what he loved and respected about the West was the the culture, the uh, oh, how did he put it? God, he's his poet. Anyhow, he's like the culture, the history, and the colored people meaning right. the Indian, right? and how all of that, the, the integrity and the, the what it stood for, all of that was in opposition or opposing to what commerce and big business do. Exactly. Now, the author of this particular painting uh, was born in Germany, studied art in England, and uh, he abandoned the old world and set for America in 1877, uh, his inspiration was uh, James Fenimore Cooper's Leather Stocking Tales, a new Stock adventure. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so uh, Cooper was frequently called the Frederick Remington of the West, which is a reference to the great American painter and sculptor who made New York and Connecticut his home. Uh, Remington contemporaries uh, like Charlie Russell, William Keith, and Maynard Dixon brought the images of the West to life. But the true story where it came inextricable from the myth of the frontier itself came from those who wrote about it, inspired the men who pursued its bounds, and whose lives reflected the values, principles, and ethos of the West. That's an interesting point, because Cooper basically set the template for how to tell the story. Yeah. And then, you know, there was, there was some great... I've got a ton of books published... Uh, at the turn of the century, the 19th century, uh, people writing Western fiction and stuff that is just phenomenal, but nobody but basically Westerns were reading it until Owen Weiser came along, and he took what they had all been doing, but he was able to make it cross over into popular 
culture, mm-hmm. and that was the you know that's the birth of the West, the Western novel and, and the, the Western story. You know, that it had nothing. It was no resemblance at all to the dime novels. No, no. I, I think what this writer is trying to tell us is that you know, if we look back at our ideals of the of the West and follow those, we won't go wrong. I think that's basically what she's saying in a nutshell. Well, you know, it's it was manifest destiny was, I think, if not in people's forefront, front of their mind, it was in the back of their mind. It was that Western movement, the uh, that. What's on the other side of the hill? The opportunity, uh, as, as, as much as anything, it was getting away from the world of, of their day. It was, yeah, it'd be like us trying to get away from New York City. Yeah, <laughs> and we would too. Oh yeah, <laughs> in a New York minute. In a New York minute, Todd, what do you think? Well, I, I think that the the article is exactly the case. I think it, it's it's talking about. You know everything that we talk about on this show, and and honestly, it, it goes it it directly. I see it directly tied back to our founding fathers and their concepts and their based on their ideals, yeah. uh, which is you know uh, be uh, forthright, uh, be um, open, and um, you know remember that uh, fortune favors the bold. And uh, none of this would have come about. We wouldn't be here if that hadn't, if they hadn't have done that. And here we are with it now. And I think that, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, um, you know, there's an old saying that Greta Garbo had, and I think it applies to our to what we're talking about. She used to say, you know, uh, getting old isn't for sissies. And uh, I would say in this case that. Um, Settling new lands isn't for sissies. Uh, if it was left up to the millennials of today, they'd still all be crowded in a huddle somewhere from New York to Boston, freezing, but uh, being able to masterfully art, uh, masterfully uh, uh, paraphrase the art of complaining about how cold it is, but they don't want to do anything about it. While texting to everybody else about it or posting on Twitter. Right. And showing pictures of themselves. And as soon as they get to Arizona, they complain about the heat. Yeah, right. Right, right. Exactly, Bunker. Yeah. You know, uh, why not do something about it? Why don't go, go, get, go do something. Go somewhere. Find something. Plant a garden. That's hard. Plant a garden. Throw a cow. Gosh. Yeah. Uh, exactly, um, and you know, here we are, uh, and, and we can laugh about it, and we talk about it, and so on. But I have to say that, you know, this is uh, uh, this is not for the for the, for the, for the faint of heart. No, um, and I think we are now in a point of time in this country again where it is not for the faint of heart. If you if we want to get this country back on track and get it moving in a direction that uh, truly truly shares uh, the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness motto, uh, it's going to take some strong-willed people with perseverance and who are a bit hard-headed. And no TV shows about lawyers. <laughs> Please God, no. Yeah. Well, you that's know, all uh, I got. Our great our. Well, our, you know, founder was, our founder was right, 
uh, the great animal frenzy, and and you know I and I know for a fact that he was a fan of Shakespeare. Yes. And as the bear, the bard said, first thing we do is kill all the lawyers. Yes. And he's right. <laughs> well, I just thought I'd throw all that stuff out there just to uh, get the ball rolling. You know, this is this, this got me thinking. You know, we're kind of talking about manifest destiny, and. It's been on my mind for the last couple of years since all the uh, disease bullshit got into our minds. <laughs> but I keep going back to Darwin in survival is the fittest. And that's in a sense is what Manifest Destiny was. The fittest left what was there to go out and test themselves. It's like Teddy Roosevelt. They went out to test themselves, to renew themselves become something new and better and you know for the most part it, it worked you know yeah there, you've got the dinks you have that in, in everywhere yeah. but, but it was you know it was it was about survival of the fittest because only the fed got by the weak ones didn't even make it across the prairie no they probably ended up like their uh, sofa on the on the trail there <laughs> thrown from the thrown from the wagon uh, the back of the wagon Another yes. another op, another thing about uh, uh, how you know getting to this point, uh, the fetching Mrs. Alexander and I were talking about um, this beforehand, and the Great communication uh, in in olden times, how much communication? First, there was no communication. It was face to face. It was face to face. Then then we had as the country expanded, then we had the Pony Express. Uh, to help create more communication, letters and so forth. Yeah, then we had the telegraph. Then don't forget the smoke signal. Well, that's and the heliograph. That, that the heliograph that was more of a military thing, I think. Yeah. Than uh, uh, for, for civilian they, usage. The flashing mirrors they've been using those for sure. centuries. Yeah, uh, and and for those who knew how to read smoke, then <laughs> there was the smoke. You know. Yeah. Well, you know. You, Cheech and Chong, I think they wrote a book on how to read smoke signals. <laughs> but, they, you know, after... The, hey, uh, man, it's for you. After, you're right. Knock, knock. <laughs> um, and so, you know, after after the telegraph came the telephone. Now, not everybody had a telephone, but, you know, we will we see... We had a crank phone here in Riodosa for years. See, I mean, you know, and, and that's what, the 19, late 1940s? 50s. Into the 1950s. Yeah. Okay, so uh, well, I, we had a switchboard too. It, so it, it made it work. See, I, I'm, my sister-in-law, one of my sisters-in-law, used to work for the phone company as a switchboard operator. Yeah. A number, please, you know. And uh, I remember when we lived in Bisbee, they didn't have a full exchange. Mm -hmm. You you dialed two, and then whatever the phone number was, yeah. uh, because you didn't. There weren't that many. Line. Yeah, trunk line, and and, and so. Uh, our communications have improved so vastly o over what was experienced in the Old West. I just think, last August, I got my cell phone. <laughs> You're just coming into the 20th century no, now. I, you know, I still don't. I still don't do text messages on it. I, I, I don't do all. It's like I got. It's, it's a telephone. It's still a telephone, yep. and I don't take it with me. I leave it behind. I, I can't hear it even when it's on anyway. So, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and but I, you know, I like that. I don't like the idea of being tethered. I see these twerps on the street 
walking, you know, right through traffic on their cell phone, you know. I don't know if they're playing a game or talking to somebody, but they're, they're idiots. You see them, they're driving in front of you. You've got to honk so you can get through the light because they're sitting there while all the traffic is going by them. I, I make a game of trying to hit those who are doing that in the grocery store parking lot and how many points I can get for uh, if they stand back up after I hit them. <laughs> well, Nola has scores for all of them. So they're, they're, each one's worth different points. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And she's constant, and we're constantly debating, you know, well, why did you give that? Why does that one have 12 points and this other one over here only has 15 points? Oh, you know, or vice or versa. IPhone, that's it. Yeah, yeah right. Those iPhones make, yeah. a, uh, make more points. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you, you know, can also speak- get more money for them. Yeah, too. there you go. Speaking, you know, speaking of technology, I got a little series of things here I want to run through. They're all about podcasts, which I'm all for. That's part of technology I yes, like. Yes, it is. Because that's communicating. But it, back in 2019, Miss Dolly Parton had a show called Dolly Parton's America. It was a nine part podcast on iTunes. And I'm just, I would love to have seen what her idea of America is because she strikes me as, you know, red, white, and blue. Uh, yes, and, and toe tapping too. Yes, yes. And then another one, and this is this is the neat ones. I've got uh, one, two, three, four, four Indian podcasts. The first one is called Toasted Sister Podcast, and that's toastedsisterpodcasts.com, dot com, and it's hosted by Andy Murphy, and it's uh, she's an Navajo, and it goes deep into the indigenous food traditions. Interesting, that's cool. Yeah, wow. yeah. And then another one is Native Trailblazers, and it's uh, blogtalkradio.com. And Native Trailblazers, uh, it's journalist Vincent Schilling and his wife Dolores. They discuss Native topics and interview folks from all walks of life. Another one, Native America Calling, and I've heard of this one. That's nativeamericancalling.com. Uh, tribal news, lifestyle tips, interviews, uh, an electronic talk cir- talking circle, which is a big thing. Nice. Is, you know, where you just, you just pass it around, yeah, yeah. which is neat. And then Cowboy Crossroads, uh, that's andyhedges.com slash cowboy-crossroads. Uh, and Andy uh, Hodges visits with fellow Western creatives. I like that. Western creatives. Nice. All right. We're going to do our first commercial break here. Uh, We're streaming live from the White Stallion Ranch. It's Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts with you. Today's program, think of a Seinfeld episode. It's all about nothing. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda, 
That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management, 7411 East Tanker Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Watch Old West silent movies anytime at VoicesOfTheWest.net America, let me tell you about Sergeant Greg Anderson. Served two tours in Afghanistan, Bronze Star and Purple Heart recipient, and unemployed. The unemployment rate among transitioning service members is unacceptably high, much higher than the general population. Veterans are a proven commodity. They're mature, reliable, and hardworking. They deserve a chance to get back to work after serving their country. Do you really want to honor a veteran? Hire one. Go to legion.org slash honor veterans to find out how you can help. You know, a woman is just like a spirited horse. You can't handle them with a tight rein. This is the Voices of the West. I'm just a carefree cowboy Riding down the trail singing Ki-i-i-yippee-ki-i I love the lonely prairie the coyotes wail at the moon up there in the sky. We're back on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France and Todd Roberts with you. It's a show about nothing today's Voices of the West. And, you know, we just don't hear enough Tex Ritter. That's the whole deal right there. Snakespear. Much ado about nothing. Snakespear? Snakespear. <laughs> anyway... Uh, some Tex Ritter there didn't. Uh, I love Tex Ritter. You know we don't. We uh, do it. We need to do it. Do, do a Tex Ritter show. You know there's bunches, yes. bunches of his stuff and his movies are really pretty and, doggone and good. One of the most authentic voices to you know the father of John Ritter for yes. those who may not know. Yes. Who did so? Movie. I have to tell you based on our subject of today, the title of our show today, Nuggets. Yes. So I, you know, Nola is always, you know, whenever. She comes up either Friday or Thursday, and you know. So, what's the show on this weekend? You know, and I kept saying to her, "Well, it's a, it's really kind of a loose show. It's kind of an improvisational show. You know, it's a, it's it's about nuggets." And she kept saying to me, "Nuggets? What? Why? Why would you do a show about nuggets?" And I'm trying to explain it to her, and then she'd look at me and go, with more a, a little more pushback from her. But why? What? What is the purpose of this? And I kept going. You, 
you're not understanding me, and I don't appreciate this. And I'm getting, a big cowboy, and you're getting triggered. you better listen. Yeah, and she kept kept looking right back at me and going, uh, "Yeah, you are all those things, but why are you doing a show about nuggets?" So let's fast forward so we don't put any of the audience to sleep. And finally, we get to a point where I'm like, well, you know, it's I don't understand what you have against nuggets. What is it? And she says, well, because they're useless. I said, excuse me, what is going on here? And she said, "Okay, you uh, you you. I, I obviously uh, you're a lot more creative than I thought you were because, you know, uh, you're taking something that's useless and turning it into something of value. And I said, I don't understand what you mean. She goes, listen, you know, I've worked at Disney for 30 years and we try to avoid nuggets. And I said, what? You mean when you're in the lunchroom, you, if somebody brings up a nugget, you stay away from it? You don't talk about it? She goes, no, you avoid conversation with them entirely. I said, them? What is it? What nugget is a them? Wow. She goes, nuggets. Yeah. New useless guy. Oh. And, it, and at that point, I went, oh, my God, we're having a conversation now for over a few hours, and and we're not talking about the same thing. It's one of those California things, huh? Yeah, so she said to me, you know, okay, it's your choice, but if you want to do a show about new useless guys, that's all on you. Oh, well, we could. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, beyond all. You know, it's, it's, you know, I want to explain, maybe there's somebody out there that doesn't really know what a nugget is. Uh it's, we're not talking about a piece of fried chicken from Colonel Sanders in a box. We're talking about a little piece of gold ore that you see on the ground. And it's not something... It's, it doesn't even it's, have to be gold. It can be silver. Oh, it could be silver, yeah. but Or it could be a piece of iron, for yeah. that matter. But well, it could be a chunk of a chocolate chip cookie. There you go. No, that's a chocolate chip cookie. <laughs> But that wasn't it, your reaction when Nola brought the chocolate chip cookies to the right. studio. Hey, said, that, that's, that's more of a nougat. But, but you know, okay. the thing is, a nugget is, is something that's small, insignificant, but priceless. Yeah. And we're none of the three. <laughs> yeah. We pride so ourselves speaking on only to speaking to that, let me just share that, you know, uh, I have to tell you that um, my, one of my nuggets for the show is... Um, no, uh, Nola has sold the Grand Canyon Outpost that her dad owned right. since the early 90s. It is done, it's closed, and gone. Um, and I have to say that it, it just all the time, we went there three different times and we enjoyed ourselves thoroughly. Um, and it was really cool because I got to see a side of her dad who I never got to meet because he passed before I met her. And but I sure it sure did have a reflection and the feel of him, and I think that that's you know I I think it's important to uh, get out there and go see your old friends and talk to your old friends and and so on and try to meet new away. people and so forth, you know. And so my one of my messages is get out there. That's one of my nuggets is get out there, get out on the road. Go somewhere you've never been, stop places you've never been, and take it all in, the local color. Mm -hmm. That's good advice. That's good advice.
Yeah. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> and hopefully a, you have gas points. <laughs> I don't mean to be Captain well, Bringdown, but will, you know, yeah. hopefully you have gas points that uh, you can uh, use to fill up the stallion, as it were. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I got I got a quote here from Bob Younger. Seems how we're about now. It's short and simple, but it re- I think it really describes the people of the West. We are rough men and used to rough ways. Yep. That's very philosophical for a bandit that wasn't too successful. But I got another one here. This is, I love this one. This is from uh, Pat Garrett, Lincoln County Sheriff. I at no time contemplated taking any chances with Billy the Kid, which I could avoid by caution or cunning. The only circumstances with which we could have met on equal terms would have been accidental and to which I would have been an unwilling party. That kind of dispels also the the old buddies. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So what's the truth here? Uh, I mean, is is there even a truth? They knew each other. They crossed paths with, you know... They, they didn't work cattle in Texas or steal cattle in Texas like some of the, some of the legends, you know. But you, you can't print all of the legends. <laughs> and, uh, it's just, you know. What is that book that you got there, Bunker? He was a politician. Garrett was, yeah. yeah. What's that book you got there? It is Best of the West. Best of the West, yeah. yeah it's, it's a flat, little short, squatty thing. I see pictures of uh, Billy the Kid. Yeah. Up there and uh, a variety of other oh, air do wells. Here is another great quote. This, we're going to dedicate this one to Todd. <laughs> Be not afraid of any man, no matter what his size. When danger threatens, call on me, and I will equalize. One version of a commonly quoted 19th century saying about the Colt 45 equalizer. There you go. They called it a, oh, sure. away with peacemaker. Hog <laughs> leg. Smoke wagon, yep. Peacemaker, <laughs> your rod, uh, so many other uh, descriptions for something that made uh, a, a lot of people's lives longer and better. So thank you to Samuel Colt. Yes. Now here's something for you: the next time you're in a poker game, and the fellow sitting across from you pulls out his pocket watch and pops it down in front of him. A highly polished pocket watch placed on a table could be used to read face cards as the gambler dealt. Such an advantage tools could be ordered from a catalog. Well, that's interesting. Isn't it? <laughs> I never thought about that. You yeah, know. next time I see somebody pulling out a, uh, their pocket watch and throwing it on the table, I'll be yeah. sure to hold my cards a little closer to the vest. Well, here's another quote from Poker <laughs> Alice, a famous female frontier gambler. Okay. I've never seen anyone crow, grow humpback carrying away the money they won from me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you didn't win much when you played cards with her. There weren't uh, all that many female gamblers, were there? Actually, there there were more than you would think. Yeah, because that was a, that was also a, you know not not you know not maybe in a small little town, but in a, a bigger town or a cow town, you know it would be, you know cowboys looking for a game. And we got a pretty girl dealing. Sure. You're more likely maybe to sit in on that game, you know. Uh, let's pose a question here. How, how many of the towns do you think actually had some, some form of law enforcement in them? 
obviously we know that how counties were structured and and there was always a county sheriff whether he was uh, or she was in the city where you were was another story for example in uh, uh, for Pima County Tucson was the seat of Pima County well still is the seat of Pima County but Pima County stretched all the way to New Mexico uh, until shortly, Actually, what? Actually, it used to be Donna County. Well, it was, yeah, to be technically correct, yeah. It was Donna County, but uh, Cochise County didn't come into effect until just before the shootout at the OK Corral. Yeah, that was one of the lead-ups to it. Exactly. That was one of the reasons for it to become Absolutely. Uh, what well, it know, did. That's a good point, though. You know, think about this, that even the towns that had law, uh, the big established saloons and gambling joints, they had their own law. They, yeah, they, bouncers. Yeah, we call them bouncers, but I don't think they called them bouncers then. Yeah. But they were they were enforcers. Yep. You know, you got you, you know, it's like you, you see it once in a while in a movie, and it's true though. They would have a guy sitting up on a high chair or sure. a platform, yeah, with a shotgun. Yep. You know, well, you see this. one very prominently in. Uh, in uh, Warlock with Henry Fonda yes, and yes, uh, Anthony Quinn. Yeah. Well, here's a, here's another piece about gambling for you. Uh, Blue tinted glasses could be used to read the backs of cards marked with <coughs> phosphorus ink, invisible to the naked eye. So, don't don't play don't play cards with a guy who's got a pocket watch and dark glasses. <laughs> All right, words to live by. And on that note, we're gonna. Take our second break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts. It's a show about nothing today, but that's okay. We're having fun. We'll be back. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club dates from 1948 and is now at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway. The club owns 80 acres and leases 300 more from Pima County that supports 50 trap fields, 15 ski fields, two five-stand fields, two sporting plays courses with 12 stations each, a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, 200 full-service RV hookups for members, and free Wi-Fi. This expansive facility gives enough room to host major national and international events annually, bringing thousands of people to the community. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. You've got some cattle you want rustled, but don't have enough henchmen of your own to do the job. Little lady up the road a piece won't strike a deal with you about water rights. You out there! Come one step near and old Bess here will spit right in your eye. So you need to strike your own deal, but you need the right henchmen to do the job. The stage is hauling a Wells Fargo box loaded with gold. You've got the perfect spot to liberate that gold, but like henchmen to pull off the job. What to do? You better start packing a handgun. Call Red a Hench. We're a bad guy rental agency. We provide you with enough scruffy henchmen to tackle any job with specific directions. Just listen to what Red a Hench users have to say. Well, you know, when I joined Red a Hench, I was trained by Bud Osborne, Charlie King, and some of the best head henches there ever was. And I'm going to guarantee you that you cannot hench without the proper henches around you. And that's just a gentle hench. 
When you need sheer numbers of henchmen, call us. We specialize in stage holdups, water right disputes, squatter troubles, cattle rustling, and much more. Our rent henchmen may not be able to think their way out of a paper bag, but they sure can follow directions, and they won't sing to the law about you if they get caught. See our ad in the Saturday Evening Post or Harper's Weekly. Hey, not only that, when you're in the Long Branch and you want to go next door to Doc's to get that bullet out of your shoulder, get a Renahentz to sit there on your place and keep your whiskey warm while you're gone. Renahentz, when you need bad guys to do bad guy stuff so you can keep your hands clean. You let me do the work. Coming to you from the great southwestern United States. Did you ever see the wind blow a rooster in a jug? Ain't nothing that'll make your innards more squeamy than the first class pure old E twisty wheel. This is the Voices of the West. on Emil France. He's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander Bunker to France and Todd Roberts with you. And, um, and we got a twisty wind. I saw some results of a twisty wind last week. <laughs> no rooster in a bottle, but well, it, it know, was pretty well, good. While we were on break here, we, uh, I mentioned to Harry, you know, we ought to do just do an hour henchman show. <laughs> we become the henchman. I would be Charlie King. Uh, I'll be Barcroft. Roy... Harry would be and, Roy and Todd would be Pinky Lee. <laughs> I'd be uh, uh, okay. I'll take Pinky Lee. I was going to say Yakima Kanad, but that's okay. Uh, but he wasn't always a bad guy. No, but he would, yeah, but he had I, the I, best no, voice for like a bad guy. Todd be, that's right. I'd does. like to see Todd because it, that means he'd be falling all over the place. <laughs> oh, I, you know, we don't have to do a show. Just take me to a bar. <laughs> right. So, well, that, yeah, we've be, seen uh, that before. Any Saturday night. <laughs> God, he turns into Yakima. That's a, it's a one-trick pony. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, I got one. You know I'm, when I'm doing my best Yakima connect, uh, imitation, when I'm laying flat on my back in the bar and people are stepping over me and I'm not flinching. There you go. Oh, it's kind of like on stagecoach going yeah, right. under the coach. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly, yeah. Well, here we go. Best cattle town saloons. And let me ex- give you an exp- explanation of a cattle town saloon. Okay. The best cattle town saloons. Providing liquor, food, baths, barbers, music, spit tunes, gambling layouts, handcuffed bars with brass railings and mirrors, and female entertainment. Now, we got a list of this, this particular uh, missive's uh, 10 best uh, cattle town saloons. The Alamo in Abilene, Kansas. The Bull's Head in Abilene, Kansas. The Long Branch in Dodge City and Gunsmoke. Uh, Reno House in Wichita, Kansas. Cowboys Rest, Ogallala, Nebraska. I almost couldn't say that one. Red Light, Caldwell, Texas. White Elephant, Fort Worth, Texas. The Buckhorn, San Antonio, Texas. I know that one. Equity Bar in Tascosa, Texas. And the Gold Room in Cheyenne, Wyoming. Those are cowboy bars. Those were cowtown. Cowtown. Cowtown, which meant they was full of, full of drunken, whooping it up, Yahoo and cowboys. Shooting holes. You know, I never thought about that. would be one of the best businesses in, a, in an old cowtown is a roofer. Repairing <laughs> all them holes. Or a glazier. <laughs> repairing, but not when they're in town. Yeah, repairing windows. <laughs> You know, they never open a window. In the movies, they never open a window. 
that they could open in order to shoot. It's always bust out a pane of glass. Yeah, let's, yeah. <laughs> well, oh, you know, well. One, there was that. This is this is what I love though. One of the uh, Longmires, uh, Katie Longmire, she's become the, the uh, legal 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 aid on the reservation, right? Okay. And of course, she's done she's done a really foo-faw, and the whole tribe is down on her. Right? Ah. So, Anyhow, they're out like demonstrating in front of the place. So she goes. She comes back the next morning, and the windows are broken. The place is trashed out, you know. And she's like her, and she's got this little Indian girl that's been working for her, and, uh, and her dad has got this guy watching her, protecting her during this. So he's in there helping her clean up and everything. And he looks down and helps, and he goes, he says, "Come here." He goes over the door and he says, he says locks the door and says, he says. She says, well, we can't get in. He says, well, no. if you reach in through where the window's broken, oh, you can't reach it. It had to have been broken from the inside out. Good detective work. Inside job, so she fired the little Indian. Okie dokie. Well, here we go. Now, Todd, this is Todd. I'm going to dedicate this one to you, too. Thank this you. is best nicknames for liquor. Coffin varnish, gut warmer, lamp oil, pop skull, scorpion bible, stagger soup, tangle foot, tarantula juice, tonsil paint, wires, mare milk. And I know you drank all of those. <laughs> well, in in college, um, we were given an assignment to come up with uh, the most unique, uh, just for extra credit. Uh, he, he, the English teacher said, Mr. Hickenbackle. Uh, said, uh, come up with a, uh, you know, we were bragging about how many times we've been intoxicated. Obviously, my parents aren't alive to anymore to hear about these stories so, uh, in college. And he said, well, uh, we had all these different names for it and so on. He said, well, why don't you come up with a list? When it was all said and done, Rick Strazula and I had come up with 122 yeah. Uh, synonyms for being intoxicated. Wow. You're a regular Alan Lomax of alcohol. I reckon so. Including hugging the pole, yeah. driving the big white bus, snockered, yeah. foobard, yeah. foobabbed, and <laughs> just plain drunk. And don't forget, and even though we're on the air, old piss eye. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes when you've had too much, you piss in somebody else's eye. So And always stand downwind, please. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, let me just share that nugget with you since we've on the subject. I'm working with NOLA in the trading post at, in Valle, Arizona, 20 minutes south of the Grand Canyon. We're packing up the truck and packing up the trailer and so on and so forth that I've described. And I have to take a leak, so... I say to her, I go, honey, I gotta go take a leak. And she goes, well, uh, here, let me give you the keys. So you, you know, don't use the bathroom in the shop. Go, go, go in the house. I said, go in the house. I'm a cowboy. <laughs> Did you forget? I'm going outside. She goes, oh my god. Mm-hmm. Please don't stand out in the front, out on the highway, and do it. <laughs> stand. Try to get behind one of those trees. Mm-hmm. So I go outside and. Uh, it's very windy. I don't know where how windy it was in Tucson this last weekend. Very. Uh, but unbelievably. You ever unbelievable. see a rooster in a jug? Yeah, right. yeah blowing, <laughs> be blown into a jug. 
so I stand there and I'm doing my business and the wind basically grabs um, what is exiting me and blows it all down my leg. Like as if I'm standing in front of a sprinkler and not knowing. And I finish and I, I feel some moisture. And I look down my leg and it's just covered. And I walk in the... Uh, uh, I I walk in the store. She's still working, and I go, "Hun," mm-hmm. uh, she said, "What is it?" You know, she doesn't even look up. She's just busy working, doing her thing. And I said, "You can take my cowboy hat away from me now." <laughs> hey, Todd, just be thankful you didn't have hiccups at the same right. time. <laughs> yeah, well, there you have it. <laughs> well, hey, I'm I'm let's, I'm gonna have I got a little nugget here about soiled doves. All right. Uh, the prostitutes were among the earliest entrepreneurs to descend upon the West. Their brothels could be uh, stately mansions, one-room cribs, or even tents. Some kind called soiled doves, these red-light ladies often earned a very nice income. That was the madams, not the working girls. Yeah, right. And then here's a list of, here's a list of the top ten names. Or not, these are ten well-known names. Big Matilda, 300 pounds of black passion. Uh, Boxcar Jane, maybe that's where she did her business, I don't know. <laughs> Cottontail, that sounds intriguing. Uh-huh. Crazy Horse Will, that sounds intriguing. <laughs> Frog Lip Sadie, that sounds well, intriguing. <laughs> Gizzard Lip, oh. Homely Ann, Midnight Rose, and this is the one, Mustang May. Wow, that's the hey. one I want to meet. And of course, Squirrel Tooth Alice, who was a not a bad looking lady. <laughs> Well, don't forget the one of the most famous sporting girls up in the logging camps of Oregon, known as Timberline, <laughs> because she worked up and down the Timberline, which is the different logging camps. She worked. She went from one to the next to the next, and then she'd turn around and come south. Then she'd get to the bottom, and she'd turn around and go north. So, yeah, I remember we had somebody on the program, and I don't remember who. It was an author who had... Uh, written about the brothels and uh, I seem to remember Alaska comes to mind and uh, how the, the, they were all about the health of the women oh, you know, yeah. you know and, and, and they were all about paying their fair share of taxes and whatnot. you know they weren't the they weren't the bad girls that uh, everybody made them out to be well, just know, because it's their it's job some, some of the towns uh, one of the some of the leading citizens would be the madams, because they would be doing all of the charity things. Yeah, you know, yeah. They might, might even help set up a hospital or something. Yeah, but they would do all of the charity stuff. Yep. So they weren't the. Well, bad it ladies. always reminds me of that that scene in the movie The Sting, when uh, Charles Durning goes into the uh, the house of ill repute run by Eileen Brennan, and he's walking around, and she says, "What do you want?" Well, you know, I, I, leave me alone, will you? He's a playing a cop, and he goes, "Well, I'm looking for somebody." And she goes, "Well, who is it?" And shows a picture, and it's Robert Redford, who's down the hall playing cards with Paul Newman. And he, she says, "No, I've never seen him." He goes, "Well, maybe I should poke my head in some of your in some of your rooms, huh?" <laughs> Trying to play a tough guy, and she right. goes. Well, if you want to, go ahead, but I'd stay away from the door, the third one on the left, because that's where the chief of police is. 
<laughs> well, you know, you know, it's got me to thinking. Uh, you know, the movie Giant, which is one of my favorites. Yes. But yes, you know the the red light district in that is so neat because it's these great big Victorian two or three story houses. Sure. Yeah. And I remember the one scene there where Dean is walking down the street and this black madam is sitting out on the porch. She's got her dress up and one leg on the on the on the railing with a cigar mm-hmm. and she's just cackling at him. And then he gets he gets to his mom's place, you know, and he's going down this hallway and you hear these squeals and these mo- it is so it's eerie. But <laughs> well, you know, Bunker, uh, I think you're I don't think you mean giant. I think you mean East of Eden. East, I did. Excuse me. Wrong wrong no. Dean movie. Yeah, yeah, but still that image is uh, so well done. Yeah. Of course, Aaliyah Kazan directed it. There's another great scene that's like that in uh, in uh, uh, the J- uh, Jimmy Stewart movie um, uh, where he plays the uh, the uh, the policeman trying to get Richard Conti off, and he's walking through the seediest parts of town, hitting different bars, looking for these people who were around uh, or witnessed the crime that Conti is in jail for 20 years for, mm-hmm. and uh, I forget the name of the director, but I tell you, it's a black and white film, and you see these images of people who you know you would never want to know and be around, and then you'll hear that cackle of a of a woman who's drunk and has a loud laugh and so on, and it does give you an uncomfortable feeling, no doubt about it. Well, you know, it got me also thinking, you know, Mike Mazurki with uh, Philip Marlowe looking for Velma. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. All right, hey, we got to do our final commercial break. Here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Dad Roberts with you. It's a show about nothing. We'll be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were filmed. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. Are you looking for a smart way to invest your hard-earned dollars? Look no further than Wilkinson Wealth Management. This is an investment firm that works for you based on your expectations, not what the stock market says. This is a firm that wants you as a client, not just as a customer. This is a firm that lets you design a portfolio for when you need it. It's a new name, but the same great service you've come to expect. I, Miss Wilkinson, is now Wilkinson Wealth Management. 7411 East Tank of Verde in Tucson, 520-777-1911. Read classic Western comics anytime at voicesofthewest.net. 
Hello? I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horses Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. And Horses Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horses Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Hi, this is Craig Morgan with a special message for all those who have served in the U.S. Army. The National Museum of the United States Army, to be built at Fort Belvoir, Virginia, will include the Soldier's Registry, an electronic record of Americans who have worn the Army uniform, recognizing their service. I've already added my story to the registry. I hope you'll add yours. To learn more and to make your story a permanent part of the National Army Museum, visit armyhistory.org. I'll give you $10 an acre better than top price for that section of yours in 43. I couldn't take that, Mr. Jode. I'll throw in a corner business lot right here in Red Dust. Why well, couldn't do it. That would be selling out the rest of the settlers. That is some good business, Mr. Hardy. Let the other settlers take care of themselves. Perhaps Mr. Hardy has a code that he'd like to live up to. I'm talking business with Mr. Hardy, my friend. Call me Stevens. I couldn't choose my name, but I can choose my friends. This is the Voices of the West. Hi, Lar Stranger. It's a mighty fine treat and a pleasure to meet you. Hi, Lar Stranger. Mighty proud to be here and a pleasure to greet you. These old wranglers extend a welcome hand. There's no danger. We're brothers of the land. You'll come right handy. We can share our grub, let our elbows rub from the Rio Grande of the Oh, the Rio will spread our beds where the wild coyotes roam. So hi, bar stranger. We're back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker de France, and Todd Roberts with you. That uh, would be the, uh, the devil is that. Hi, uh, hi, strangers. <laughs> it's the king's men. And that's it's hi, hi, strange. Hi, thou stranger. Uh, it's the king's men, and that comes from a Hopalong Cassidy movie, uh, Renegade Trail, 1936. So the film I was trying to think of was called Northside 777. There you Jimmy go. That Stewart, is a damn fine movie. Richard Conti and Lee J. Cobb, yeah. one of our favorites on the show. Yep. Well, here's a couple of epitaphs for you. Well, actually, one is Tombstone's most famous, Blue Hill's most famous, and it's one of my favorites, too. Here lies less more, four slugs from a 44. No, no less. less, no more. Now, this no is more. The, this is the neat one, though. This is from... Blackface Charlie Bryant, and it's quoting him. Me? I want to get killed in a one hell firing minute of smoking action. And this is the explanation. The Oklahoma outlaw, nicknamed Blackface because of powder burns from a point-blank pistol blast, on August 23, 1891, Bryant and Deputy U.S. Marshal Ed Short killed each other in one hell-firing minute of action on a train near Wichita, Kansas. They knew how to go out. Those uh, 
those <clears throat> tombstone writers, <clears throat> the uh, uh, writing the uh, uh, phrases there on on the tombstone. They later went to work for Hallmark. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the I also want to give a little shout out on my road trip with Nola to the El Corral restaurant in Williams, Arizona, mm-hmm. yeah. which has the best chili verde uh, pozole. Mm. Pork chili verde pozole that I've ever had. I've not eaten there. I've I've eaten there before, but it's been a long time. Uh, probably the last time it was whenever I went to Las Vegas uh, last. No, that, I think that's that's keeping because you know you northern New Mexico has the best Mexican food in New Mexico, yeah. and of course New Mexico has the best Mexican food. Period. But don't tell northern that to Arizona Texas. Arizona has got. I think they got a touch of that New Mexico drifting across the border. Well, I don't think <laughs> the the Arizona version of what Mexican food is uh, is has they don't have a clue. Oh, it's close to Texas. Yeah, they don't have a clue what the hell they're doing, yeah. and not that I know what they're doing or, or should be done. Well, there's, but there's, I think a lot of our food is bland Mexican food. Here Thank you. you know, it just doesn't have the kick. Nope. Well, I think we have the best Mexican food in L.A. So I'll just say that right here, and I hope I offend as many possible well, people yeah, as possible. I, I want to I give you just a tiny bit of credence with that. The best Mexican food in L.A. is those little orange uh, side street stands. Oh, because yeah. Because all the guys cooking in those, those are guys that cook campesinos that cooked in the little work camps yeah. down in Mexico. Hey, there used to be a restaurant, I don't know if they're still in existence here in Tucson, they were in the old town area, and uh, when we had an old town. yeah, when we had an old town, the all uh, frequently it would be you, you couldn't get in because of all the lawyers who were wandering through there wanting to get their whatever you know. Oh, and uh, yeah, it great food. I, like I say, I don't know that they still exist. That reminds me, back back when my dad was here and. And he had his Arizona bail bond, which was right across the street from the county courthouse. Well, I mean, you know, when you go inside the courthouse, on the west side is that passageway yeah. going out, and on the east side of that was a little little food stand in built uh-huh. into it. Yep. And the guy and his son ran that for about over a dozen years, and I mean, it was like that's where all the lawyers and the police department, everybody would grab a quick bite there. One Sunday, over in South Tucson, the uh, South Tucson police, they catch this guy. He's in an alley chasing a dog or a cat or something. And they they, they catch him and go, what's going on? And he's trying to talk his way out of it. And they say, well, where's your car? They walk him back to his car. In the car is a whole bunch of dogs and cats. These lawyers and judges and police had been eating dog and cat for how many, who knows how many years. I've well, had a few of them myself. That's one way to get rid of them. There you go. Yeah, population <laughs> control. Oh golly, you know that's about all the time we got here. Oh darn! You got you got you can do one more quote if you want. Okay, Derringers. More than one hundred and fifty thousand of these forty-one caliber Remington over and under hideout guns were sold. Most professional gamblers pack some type of derringer as well as a knife, a knife. You know, there's nothing wrong with a derringer. It's a great uh, weapon for concealed carry right now. 
And, you know, if you need more than two shots, <laughs> you you're ha- you got some problems. And, you know, most back in those days, too, when there was a shootout, if you if you were out of range of a Derringer, they probably couldn't hit you with a 44 or 45 anyway. Anyway, indeed. Uh, next time we get together is the, the what, 14th of May. So, uh, no, this is the 21st. 14th. 21st of May. I'm just, oh, well. Uh, I don't know what we're doing. We'll figure it out as the week goes on and uh, let you know. It it might be an author and it might be something else. You never know. So, until next time. 78, 79, 80 nuggets. (laughs) So long, everybody. Thanks for joining us on Abel Franzi's Voices of the West. So long. Hello. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.